Man, it's great to have you here this morning. Great to be worshiping with you. And uh, so let's just jump right in. So back in high school, uh, well, this was an era when cell phones didn't exist and iPads didn't exist. In fact, computers didn't even exist at that time. Personal computers, that was kind of the wave of the future still. And so I was in high school and, you know, the cool thing you had then was tennis shoes. The expression you made of life was what kind of shoe you were wearing. And so, man, I remember this one year, I got the most happening shoes out there. They were this dark, rich, royal blue. They had this unbelievable white streak thing on it. And, man, the shoes popped. I'm walking through the school, and dudes are like, man, nice shoes, right from across. I don't even know who they are. And they're telling me they like my shoes. And so one day I was uh, going out with some friends to play some football, and actually weather changed while we were playing and a uh, storm just started pouring down. We're playing out there in the rain and in the mud and the muck, and my shoes are getting just totally covered with mud. When I got home, took them off and took them down to the, uh, like this big wash tub and just turned the water on, let the mud run all off of them, and now they're soaking wet. I can't wear them to the youth group that night. It was a Sunday. Couldn't wear them to youth ministry. So I left them there. I'm like, man, what a rip. I don't get to wear my shoes. So I went upstairs, take off my socks, And my feet from the ankle down had turned completely royal blue. (laughs) And uh, man, these shoes were definitely dark dyed, and that dye came off. I am scrubbing with soap. I could not get the stuff off. I'm like, whatever, you know. So I put on socks, and and like, that's it. I'm heading off to church and going to youth ministry. And and, uh, so I get there, and that night, my pastor was teaching on the same topic we're going to be teaching on today, serving one another. And yet, he thought it'd be cool to not just teach it, (laughs) but show it by demonstrating the way Christ did with his disciples. And so he had all 85 of us take off our shoes and socks, and he came around with a basin to wash our feet. And he's going and washing feet, and you know, my friends are sitting next to me, and they're like, dude, what happened? You know, you got that whole thing going on for a little while, and you know, the pastor's like, everybody be quiet, this is sound, lights are down, just reflect right now, and don't tell me what happened to him, look at this, right? So he gets to me, and he puts the basin down, and I I lift my foot up, and I put it in his hand, and he goes, you you okay? I'm fine, Shoe, shoe died my foot today, okay. So he puts it down in the water and starts to rinse it. Now the blue decides to come off. (laughs) So the water's starting to get blue in it. He takes the towel. He starts washing it. The towel's getting blue. I'm like, thank goodness the lights are down, right? And I was talking to a friend a couple years ago, so that's been a long time after, 30-some years after. And uh, I said, hey, do you remember when Ross did that one thing where he went around and washed our feet? And he goes, yeah, you mean when your feet were blue? (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. And uh, scarred all of us for a long time. And uh, hey, you know what? Serving. Sometimes it's awkward for the server. Sometimes it's awkward for the one receiving the serving. Uh, And yet God God calls us to serve one another. And uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at today. How do we serve one another? What does that look like biblically? How do we go after that, that God might be glorified? And uh, so turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, starting in verse 13. We're going to dive into serving one another. And what does that look like? And uh, the ushers are going to be coming down. they got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Just raise your hand. They'll get a Bible to you. It's important. We're going to be walking 
phrase by phrase and verse by verse through this. Galatians 5.13, serving one another. So here's the first step. Serve one another in love rather than attack in word or action. Serve one another in love rather than attack in word or action. And uh, service, it's an action. Uh, it often can include our mouth as we encourage. And uh, we better be careful what we're doing along the way. So let's dive in. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. You were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, for you were called to, what's the word? Freedom. For you were called to freedom. And uh, man, we are built to be passionate about freedom. God designed it in. And uh, here's the problem. With sin, we take freedom and we're like, it means autonomy. It means I get to do whatever I want. And uh, everybody say, that's not what freedom means here. It's not what it means here. And that's not what he's talking about. But freedom, it is something that ticks within us and bangs within us. We long to be able to be free. And uh, free from what? Well, biblically, I just wrote these words down, free from sin. We literally can be free from sin. Free from the law. Have that answered and solved and done. Actually, free from self. And Why is this flesh banging on me so hard and why am I not seeing victory and freedom, man? God promises it. And a salvation through Jesus Christ brings that. And we've talked about this word before, right? And from the movie Braveheart. You know what I'm talking about at the end where he screams out one word, right? And you got to say it with the Scottish accent too. It's not like he says Americanized, freedom, right? It's Scottish style. It's freedom, right? And everybody stops and looks as he drops at the very end. And, and it's a big deal. He fought to the end for freedom and and. Uh, God's like, you just need to know freedom. It's a huge part of what you're supposed to be going after, but you can't get there yourself, okay? And a God doing it with us and for us. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That would be living for self, right? Do not use it as an opportunity for the flesh. Uh, this is when we satisfy those physical and emotional pangs through a shortcut. You know what I'm talking about? Like, all of a sudden, we want something, and it's not the right timing or the place. You know, that maybe it's sex, but it's outside of marriage, right? We're going after things that are just wrong place, wrong time. It's not that that's a wrong thing for you or your body to be a part of, but given the timing of it, you're just going shortcut. And that's the flash banging home on you and listening to it instead of God. He says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to run after it. Paul said it this way in Romans 6. What, should we continue in sin that grace might abound? God forbid. Right? Our answer is not victory over sin and Christ paying for sin on the cross. Well, thank the Lord, now I can go do whatever I want. Right? Everybody say, that's not what it is. It's not what it is. You know, so what is it? Well, he kind of goes on here, right? He says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Through love, like the medium, the transport is love, okay? Through love, serve one another. 
consider not what your pangs are screaming, but what the needs and wants of those around you are. How can I go after helping them out? How can I be a part of their life? And, and uh, through love, serve one another. I just wrote these words. Love, it's the motivation. Right? God has loved you. He's shown and demonstrated to you something you could never have on your own. And uh, so love, it's the motivation. And then serve, it's the result. The end result is us being others-centered as we reach out. And uh, this is where Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples to make it clear. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the universe. He spoke this world into existence, going to one knee before them and washing their feet to say, I love you, and I'm here to serve you. What do you need? uh, Through love, serve one another. What in the world does serving look like? So I just wrote this down. Five facets to biblical serving. Five facets to biblical serving. Number one, biblical serving now, worship. It will absolutely start with worship. It will absolutely begin with how awesome is my God. How amazing is he? And have you seen what he has done? And do you understand how he thinks? And I love my God. And worship. Biblical serving starts with awe over your Savior. and uh, I'm not really awed by him. It's time to take a closer look. You've been looking in a mirror too much. It's time to now look up. All right? You will be awed when you get your eyes on the king, stunned with his greatness. Uh, worship. Number two, biblical serving includes humility. There's a point where you will be on one knee before someone taking care of them. And uh, that moment where you're trying to take care of them and you're like, do they not even know how much I'm doing for them? Uh, That's not biblical serving, right? How often do we get caught in those serving moments where we're helping out and we're like, man, I'll bet they think I'm an unbelievable person. You wouldn't believe how much I've done for them today. They're probably going home and telling other people all about me. And uh, don't leave me up here. It's not just me, right? (laughs) You've been in those moments where you help out, and then all of a sudden you're thinking very highly of you, right? And uh, we got to be careful. Biblical serving, it is raw humility. Lord, you're awesome. Lord, what do you want from me? I'm serving you. What do you want done? Okay? And uh, worship, humility. Next, self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice. Oftentimes we call it service, but we're really saying this. All right, I have made a list of everything I need to do, and I have accomplished every single one of those. I have gone through the week, and I have filled every single spot with everything I could. I'm at the end of the week, and I have a half a day left with absolutely nothing to do, and I'm bored to tears. Maybe I could help someone. So I turn around, and I look, and I try to give of my spare time to serve. That's actually not biblical serving, okay? So it's great that you're wanting to be available and help. That's wonderful. But when we want to get all our stuff done first and then maybe we'll help only if then, right? We're missing the point. Biblical serving does cost. It does. There's times where it will be an awkward moment. There's times where it will be a late night. There's times where it will take a lot out of you emotionally. And it does need to be poured in. 
okay? So it takes worship, humility, self-sacrifice. Uh, number four, it's unbigoted. In other words, it doesn't look at the person and go, hmm, I help more important people than that. Hmm, I don't help that kind of struggling person. You know, hmm, I don't want to, right? Be careful. Be very careful. We find ourselves all of a sudden having a favoritism in our, in our serving. And what we're really trying to do is earn position or spot with someone. And, uh, please make sure that your serving is not political. Let's put it that way. All right? Serving. It's reaching out and caring for the ones around you, not trying to get your name noticed. Uh, and then the last one, number five. It is truly helpful. It's truly helpful. Saying you're serving, but you're ending up leaving someone stuck in their sin on their self or their, their entitlement or whatever, you're missing something. You're beginning to do it for you. And there might be a part where you're saying you're serving and you're watching it unwind before you as they're going wrong, then you need to pull off of that plan, right? It's not working. And to be careful in the serving. It's not just so you feel good. Have you ever had someone help you doing that? Hey, let me help you do your lawn. Great, okay, well, just so you know, this part's our lawn, that part's theirs. Here's how we work with the neighbors. We mow like this. Yeah, I'm not mowing that way. I'm going to take your mower and do whatever I want. You go inside, right? And you're like, wow, thanks for the help. And then at the end, like, some's not mowed, and, you know, you drove over onto the neighbor's yard. Now you've got to explain to the neighbor what's going on, and, right? That's not really helpful, right? And be careful. Sometimes when we jump in to help, all of a sudden we get our pride back engaged and we're not catching what they really need and we're just doing what makes us feel good. And, uh, really watch. Is it helping them? Is it moving them along a path? Okay? Serving. Man, you are communicating the love of God to the person you're talking with and to a world around you. We're going to get back to that. Serving. It is communicating the love of God to the world around you. All right? Notice it says now, uh, right after it, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, one phrase. Uh, that word in the original language there, it means a collection or a thought. And uh, so this one word or phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Man, when you distill the law down to all the different thou shalts and thou shalt nots of how to treat one another, it turns out if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to get that box checked. Okay? That's what he's saying. Just make sure that you're considering loving the other person. What is it that they need? How can I put their needs first? Lord, what do you want done to assist with them in a way where I'm actually really helping? I'm not just allowing the sin to continue to fester longer, but I'm really helping them through this. Lord, what can I do to help out there? And it says, but... If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you do not consume, be consumed by one another. Uh, that's not a fun place to live, right? And maybe you live in a family that's like that, where there's a lot of biting and devouring. You know, the cheap shots and the criticisms and the refusing to see the good in what you're trying to accomplish and only wanting to see the bad. And, uh, that's not fun to work in or live in, right? And at the end of the day, moms, you know what I'm talking about, you're right? You're like, does anybody appreciate me around here? Right? It's been a long day for crying out loud. Do you see what I'm doing for you? Right? And uh, I understand how hard it is. 
And it's long, hard days, and there's a lot of service. And in the home, like every family member needs to hear me. This isn't even Mother's Day, Mom. Isn't that a great day? <laughs> like, please, respect what's going on in the home. See the service and care that's going on and show a great appreciation for, right? And at the same time, moms, as you're loving on them and serving on them, don't do it to receive the love back. Do it so you see them grow, right? It's the best way we can go after it together. And we start biting on each other and chewing on each other. We're just going to consume each other. I think that's called cannibalism, isn't it? <laughs> like, this is not a good moment, right? And we need to not be there. And, uh, all right. So in 109 AD, there was this aqueduct made. You know what that is? Like, it transports water. And they made it from the mountains in Spain down into a city. They brought this water down in, this cool, refreshing mountain water came down in, and they lived with that for years. In fact, they lived with it for over 1,800 years. This aqueduct was delivering water. And in the early 1900s, they began to talk about how awesome this aqueduct was, the life that it gave to the city over so many years, and they wanted to make a monument out of it. And let's, let's really honor what, what's been done with this thing. And so they, they built pipes alongside of it, and they redirected the water through the pipes in order to bring it down to the city so that they could basically give the monument, in fact, kind of a rest. And uh, it didn't take hardly any time at all, and it began to dry and crack under the hot sun and begin to break apart and fall away. In fact, trying to set it aside and trying to not use it at all left it to where it was wasting away and becoming nothing. The cool water coming down through it right, was actually what kept it good for 1,800 years. And that is not unlike you at all. Same thing. And, and you are built to bring the love of God into this world and to share it out. And as the love of God pours down through you into those around you, as you lavish it on those who are in need, it keeps you vibrant it keeps you energetic. It keeps you passionate. And man, when the love of God stops flowing down through and we're just going to use another path, it doesn't take long at all for you to just start drying up. You are built to serve. Just like the aqueduct is built to carry water. And when that's not going down, you are missing out on a huge interaction with your God and the life-giving energy that comes from God's love pouring through you to someone else, all right? He's not kidding around when he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You tap into the one who is love, and then have that pouring down through you like an aqueduct feeding out to all those around. That's the plan. Serve one another. Lord, help me see your love Help me meet you where you are in what you're saying to me and teach me, Lord. Now may I go out with that and begin to reach out to those around me and care for those around me, all right? So simple question. Uh, are you in service? Or are you on the side, monumentalized? Hanging on and letting the service flow somewhere else, the love of God flowing somewhere else because you've got things going on, or you already served your sequence of time, or be careful. God's called you to serve. Maybe it's right in your home. 
Maybe there's a family member who needs a little bit of extra attention. Maybe it's a friend around you who needs a little bit of effort or care. Maybe it's just plugging into this church on a regular basis and serving here, smiling, caring, helping the ministries launch forward that God may be glorified. But I'll tell you this, no matter where it is, it's time to plug into God's love and have that poured down through you to someone else, all right? Let me ask the simple question, who? Who's God calling you to consider beginning to stretch an arm out to and put some time into caring on him? Who? Now comes the next. Don't do it without first getting your worship square, okay? That's where all the biting and devouring comes from, where we try to look like we're serving on the outside, but we actually haven't gotten our heart aligned yet. Get the worship square, and then reach out fast. May God be glorified. All right, that's the first step. Serve one another in love, not attacking. Next. Now, these next two pieces are a big deal, and they actually tell us where our heart needs to be if we're going to go about serving. And so that's why we continued on in the passage. Uh, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verses 16 here and on. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. And... Um, as he walks through this and makes clear about it, notice what he says, but I say, he's, he's reversing it, right? He just got done talking about cannibalism, right? So now he's like, but, but not that. So what should it be? But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit. Not walk, like not force yourself to walk and do it alone, man. We call that muscling it, right? That's a word we've used around here. When you're trying to make it happen yourself and you're not even sure how to get it happening right, but you're like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to start doing this. Right? That lasts about four to six weeks, just so you know. That's the typical of what we found as we're working with people. Four to six weeks of muscling it, and then that all kind of goes tank. And uh, you don't believe me? Check out Gold's Gym on January 1st. Right? And uh, so be careful. This isn't a muscling it, but I say walk by the Spirit. Man, Holy Spirit power in your life. That's what it's all about. Holy Spirit in your life, working in you and through you, and that's where you begin to see the progress. I said walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Gratify the desires. Like you will not listen to those desires banging at the door of your mind. Okay? That's what that means. And, uh, and I'm not even sure I understand what this Christian life is. I get saved. I'm trusting in Christ. Why do I even still care about sin? What's going on with that? And well, let's talk about that here. He actually says right after it, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, right? The flesh is banging against. So let's go ahead and throw an image up. And uh, some of you will remember this image. So uh, we actually used this um, a ways back. We went through this in the Romans series, and we talked it through when we were in Romans 8. And uh, so in the green box, like if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, if you are like, Lord, I believe in you, I confess you as my God, I'm leaning on you, you are risen Savior, Lord, please take over, you have control of my life. Right? Saved, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10. 
If that's true, well, then this is true of you. That God's doing a work in your mind. See the top, Romans 12, 2? He's renewing the mind. How is it saying he's doing that? Well, it actually says right before it, be transformed. So it's not your work. You have to like let it happen to you. It's cooperative, but God's doing it. He's renewing your mind. He's giving you an insight that you didn't have before. He's helping you value things you didn't value before. He's building in his priorities to your mind, okay? And then look down below to the right, the spirit, that's like our spirit connected with the Holy Spirit as he's taken up residence within and he's doing a work within us. And that's where the war is beginning now because the Holy Spirit is banging from the right, but look what's on the left. Flesh is still there, man. That's why you can be saved and still have these moments where sin seems so smart. The flesh is standing at your mind always knocking. And the more matured your mind gets, the more transformed by the glory of the Holy Spirit pouring over you, right, the less you listen to that. Like, I don't even hear that knock. There's no value whatsoever in going that direction. Right? That's some growth that's going on. Praise God. And then, and then there's days where the flesh knocks just in the right way at just the right time, right? And all of a sudden we're like, oh, I, I so hear that knock. I wish I could go, I'm, I'm going over there. And we, we answer to the flesh. Just so you know, that's why scripture says whenever you're under temptation, flee, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The one answer to temptation is get out of the room, man. Get out of the place, Here's what I'm trying to say. Temptation is actually the moment where the knocking of the flesh actually got your attention. That's a bad sign. If it was able to get your attention, you're not strong enough there. Get out of the room. Biblical. All right? So how do I manage temptation? Run. That's the only management. Get out. Get to another place. So be careful when you're putting yourself constantly. You're like, I'm a believer. I should be able to handle this. And so you put yourself right into the middle of temptation. You will fall. Right? If you put yourself right into the spot where you're weak, you're going to drop, man. That's not God's plan. God's plan is run. So now we have this little thing going of renewing the mind and the spirit working with, and there's this spirit trying to change your mind over time as he's working with you, transforming you. And this is this cooperative worship and the flesh banging in as you go and the flesh and the spirit. Yeah, they're at war with each other. That's what's going on inside of you. You're like, I wondered what was happening at 7 a.m. when I woke up ticked off, right? And uh, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are the most high moments for temptation to hit you. Uh, halt and get out of the room, okay? So we have the spirit and the flesh at war with one another, and, and then he says right after it, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. He's like, hear me, good news. Your works aren't being measured and salvation based on it. Okay, that was a great spot for an amen, so let me do it again. Your works aren't being measured and your salvation based on it. Amen. Salvation is based on Jesus Christ and him alone. Praise God, amen? amen? Like, that's our hope, man. Law fulfilled in Christ. And I'm not earning it, he has earned it. I'm just coming before him and letting him have his way with me. Lord, change my soul. 
What needs to go? I'm ready to hear from you. What is done today? May I see that clearly. If it's a temptation that makes itself clear, I will move away. May your spirit start to speak in me. What do you need to be done with? Stop listening to the flesh. Put it down. And start letting the spirit speak. Man, get out of the room, get the TV off if it needs to be, get the computer done if it needs to be, get it into an open public space if it needs to be, get rid of a phone if you can't handle what it's got abilities on it. Hearing me? You manage by fleeing. Manage that well. Be careful. May God be glorified. And uh, it says that you can be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit, man, what does that even mean? So I just wrote these three words down. Led, to be led by the Spirit. Number one, you will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. There is no being led if you are not saved. Holy Spirit takes up residence when we trust Christ. And the moment we trust Him, it says the Holy Spirit comes in and our body becomes a temple of God. Not a very pretty one, by the way. A lot of work needing to be done on that temple, inside and out for some of us, right? And like God's doing some things, and, but he's cleaning up the inside and this temple of his and he's making it his and Holy Spirit taking up residence. And that's the image we were just looking at of him with our spirit beginning to do things and uh, indwelt, uh, saved, trusting in Christ. And uh, Number two, uh, influenced. Uh, you cannot be led by the spirit until you're being influenced by the spirit. When he convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, you listen. When he leads or guides in a way you should go, you listen. You're hearing from his word. You're longing for him to be made much of. You're beginning to get a smile on your face when you know what pleases him, right? You're like, oh, that's what you want? Then that's where I want to be. And, and may I get there, Lord? Help me with that. Where you're allowing him to have an influence on you and your priorities, but it's more than just speaking to you about a direction, right? That would become very behavioral. It's more than that. He also empowers. That's the third one. You want to know what it's led by the Spirit? You're, you're indwelt, you're influenced, and you're empowered by the Spirit. And there is no victory in Jesus Christ without the Holy Spirit's power. You hearing that? There is no victory over sin, over flesh, or anything else without the Holy Spirit's power. Him at work in me, led by the Spirit. These are small, simple Christianese words we could walk past and be like, yeah, I don't really even know what it means. So I get up, I do something, I open the Bible, I'm like, I try to read, you know, Evelyn Wood style, I try to read a page as fast as I can, right? In 42 seconds, my goal is to read it before the Pop-Tart is done in the microwave, Right? And then I get done and I'm like, I can't even figure out what I read. I don't know what it was and it doesn't make any difference, but at least I'm led by the Spirit. Let's get out of here. And uh, that's not led by the Spirit. Uh, indwelt, influenced, empowered. Time camping out with him, letting him change you. What needs to happen? And there is no call to serving until this is understood, right? There is no bringing water down the aqueduct until you've tapped into the water source above. We got to get this square, okay? Huge deal. All right. He says, now the works of the flesh are 
I'm not going to camp here real long. I just want to make sure. Uh, we're going to read through this list, and then we're going to read through the list of the fruits of the Spirit. Here's the only thing I request. Listen to the list and get the willies. That's all I'm asking. Like, wow. That's what the flesh is about? And uh, just get that, okay? Here we go. Works of the flesh. Number one, from the sexual category. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. Like this high lusting to have now even though it's wrong. A massive misuse of an awesome gift from God. Please notice how I said that. A massive misuse of an awesome gift from God, right? Running down the path of um, outside of the marriage confines in some illicit way using the passions and the hungers of sex or the religious portion. It says idolatry and sorcery, right? In fact, idolatry here, it means worshiping any other God. And uh, this often had to do with prostitution and part of it, so it was really connected to the sexual peace in high regard. But the next one here, sorcery, you'd recognize the word if you saw it in the Greek. It's the word that comes with like pharmacology. You hear it? Like pharmaceuticals, right? It's the use of drugs to begin to have an other world experience. That's what he's talking about here. Trying to gain power over the evil world through the use of drugs. Sex and drugs, social. Here comes the socialist. Enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage. Hey, that sounds like my home. Right? Some of you are like, oh, that sounds really bad, man, and I'm practicing those a lot, and be careful, right? We started to get into these fleshly expressions of the social, and all of a sudden our families are eating each other up. Our friendships are hurting each other. We're not building unity. We're tearing each other down so we can feel good about ourselves when we go home. And uh, usually, by the way, to feel good about yourself, if you can't like, feel you're going this way, then you make the other one go that way. Now I feel a little better. You know what I'm saying? And be careful, this tearing down effect. And uh, enmity and strife, jealousy, fits of rage. Well, it's holy indignation, actually. That's what I have, right? Just so you know, I haven't really met someone who's had a really true holy indignation that lasted more than a second. All too often, we turn that corner and we make it all about self, and it goes fit of rage pretty quick. Be really careful when you're getting expressive, explosive anger. Um, probably not in the holy anger thing. Probably not. Notice I use the word probably, so I'll probably get a few emails on that. That's okay. We can walk through your probably, but probably not. Okay? Clear? Fits of rage. Be careful with it. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions. You know, where we start taking unity and breaking it up into pieces so we can get, feel good about me. I've made a little club where I'm the hero. Be careful. Be very careful. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and envy. Wrongly wanting what others have. Um, in the end, it's making us the God and taking God out of his chair. That's what's going on. Sex and drugs and social problems. And then at the end here, drunkenness and orgies. And uh, that word there literally means wild partying of all types, okay? We know of that word meaning one specific thing, but it means more than that. And that's uh, just a wild misuse of alcohol, drugs, sex, and social, tearing down the infrastructure of people with people. Here we are talking about uncommon community. I'm just telling you, this is common community, okay? Self-absorbed, tearing down, battling underneath, 
political to the nature of all of it. How do I get my name known? Ugh. Flesh. The works of the flesh. It says, those who do these do not inherit the kingdom. What? Did we just say it's based on works now? Do not inherit the kingdom. That's salvation, right? And so those who do these are, just so you know that word do in the, in the original language, it's in the ongoing present tense. Like those who keep on doing, do not stop, nonstop practicing of this stuff, man, there's something wrong. There's something gravely wrong. That's what he's saying. Please be careful. Uh, if you're becoming more and more habitually around the stuff, you've got to be cautious with it. I will tell you, he's saying, if it's an ongoing, nonstop thing, it's like never really changed. You were doing it before, you're doing it now, and that's not saved. There is progress. There is the lessening of these things. The Holy Spirit is pressing, and there's an empowerment on. There's a changing that happens, and a faith that saves is a faith that does change us, okay? Let's be real clear to that. All right, so let's say it this way. And I love deer hunting. I love to get out in the fall and go deer hunting and um, just kick back, most of it just because of the light breeze blowing and enjoying an afternoon and the sunshine and the clouds rolling in and out and, and just relaxing and enjoying nature and the, and the awesome weather of the early fall. I love that. And uh, man, when you get set up in a tree stand and you're overlooking where there's this huge field that a farmer's been planting, right? And some years it's corn and, and some years it's beans and, and you can hear the breeze blowing through that, that different crop, whatever it is, and you hear it wrestling with it. And, and sometimes you hear a different kind of wrestle of an animal coming through and you're watching to see what it is. And, and uh, I just love being able to sit over the top of that and watch the crops throughout the fall as they're changing and going and growing. And you know what? The next year, the farmer usually rotates. You go from corn to beans and back, and there's some things going on with nutrition and nutrients elements. And how does the farmer know what he's planting? How does he even know what he's going to get in that field? Uh, read the bag. <laughs> right? Like, dude, it takes a little bit of effort. You've got to figure out if you want corn. Read the bag that says corn seed, right? And then what type of corn do you want? And what elements do you want in that? And, and, right? and then you go after that. You're seeding very specifically to what you want. Just so you know, you will grow what you sow. And that's what's being said here. Be careful. What's coming out of your heart is what you're sowing. Okay? You will grow what you sow cautious with it. Man, may we let the Holy Spirit take over. May we let him have his way and speak to us about what it should be. That's what it looks like to have our heart in the right spot. There is no serving if we're all about self, right? Not biblical serving. All of a sudden, you get everybody running around faking it for a little while, you know what I mean? And it's just a mess. And so let's go to the third point real quickly here. Third point. That was about the works of the flesh, now the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, live by the Spirit and you will love one another. Live by the Spirit and you will love one another. Here we go. We start in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Have you ever thought about that? 
If you do what God asks, you're never really getting in trouble with God. Right? There's no law against it, man. This is what the thing is being called for us to do, and let's be about it. And he has this list of the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, we're not talking about the kind of fruit on your table that's plastic fruit. You know what I mean? The kind where it actually looks good for 42 years. It looks exactly the same. And if you drop it, it bounces. Right? This fake exterior looking, kind of like it, but not really it thing. That's not what we're talking about. And that's what happens when you try to muscle it. You start going in and trying to fake what it looks like to look loving or to look joyful or patient those last a few weeks and your fruit bounces. And not plastic fruit, actual fruit of the Spirit, Him growing in you, the result of His love working on you, okay? And uh, I just wrote these down. Love, it's God's character in full action. God's character. Joy. It's a deep, abiding satisfaction. Do you hear a difference in these words than the other list? By the way, if you don't, we need to talk afterwards. There's a major difference. A peace, a quietness in the midst of adversity. Patience. This word here is not the word patient that you hear sometimes, the remain under well. This one is long-suffering. Some of you are like, oh, I know what that means this week, <laughs> right? Suffering long and well that God might get the glory. Kindness, a benevolence in action, goodness and uprightness of the soul. Faithfulness is trustworthy. You don't veer off of what's true just because it feels better. And a gentleness, your understanding and your mild self-control. You're not listening to the flesh banging at the door. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, he says right at the end here now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We talked about this back in Romans 6, crucified. Well, the flesh is still present with us. We just saw that just a few verses earlier. It would be wrong to say that this crucified means doesn't exist anymore. That would be a very lame definition of it, all right? So crucified, best statement I can give to you is uh, dethroned. No more authority. That's probably the best understanding. The flesh has no authority in your life except what you allow it as it knocks at the door. You don't have to answer. Run, man. You don't even have to hear it. Let the Spirit speak in. Okay? If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Some of your translations say let us walk with the Spirit. They're missing a little bit with it. I like to keep in step. It literally is a military term. It means Holy Spirit is general lining it up, and we're lining up behind him. And as he starts to walk, we walk with him. As he turns, we turn with him. We are walking in step with, led by the Spirit, is what's meant by it. Holy Spirit leading us, walking in step, us getting what he wants accomplished, his love pouring into this world, him rocking me and changing me. And uh, notice what it says at the end. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You don't become conceited by walking with the Spirit, okay? All right. That's a lot of information. And uh, let's just distill it down to this. Serve one another means please meet with your God. Taste of his love. Be stunned by all that he is. 
begin to grasp this. Ready? I am nothing. I'm nothing. I cannot accomplish this on my own. I get nowhere with my efforts. But you, Lord, have a plan. You're doing something, God, and you're doing it in my life. May you be glorified. I'm ready for you to take over. Lord, I'm ready for you to be worshipped. I have been off. It's time to be on. I'm ready for you to be able to speak into my life things I haven't even been hearing. Lord, please help me be done with the time in the mirror. It's time for me to be looking at you and hearing from you. What do you want in me? I worship you. I worship you. Man, go after your God with all you've got. You celebrate him with all you have. You take time on your knees before your king in humility and worship, and you watch this thing ignite in your life. God at work in you. All of a sudden, the flesh and its banging starts to go quieter. And in those few moments where you're still hearing it, man, get out of the room. Get with another person. Change that circumstance. That's an area you haven't grown yet. You're hearing the temptation bang. You're done in that area. Move out for right now. Let God continue his growing work. All right? Walk with the Spirit. Down with the flesh. God glorified. If you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, one step only for you. Trust him as Savior. All the rest of this comes after it. It's things to think about that God empowers on. Just set it down and let him be king. Man, it is time to be done battling the flesh and lose. It is time to be done with hearing a statement like serve one another and then make a commitment to do it for four days and it falls apart because we did it from a weak flesh. That was a good spot for an amen. Amen? Down with the fake crud. Down with the plastic fruit. Down with the faking it for a few days or only in public so that someone else thinks something of me. Down with managing my look in public. Up with managing my honesty before God. May God be glorified. May the Holy Spirit move in your lives. May he rock your soul. Why? Because you have a message to communicate. You are an aqueduct carrying the love of God to a broken world. You are the church, man. God has called you out to represent him. May we not bite and devour. May we come together in unity and care passionately and worship our king massively. And he's going to call us to serve. And all of God's people said, Amen. let's pray.